Welcome to Gateway's podcast. We hope God speaks to you through this message from Pastor Don Brock. For more information about Gateway, please visit www.gatewaybc.com. Well, welcome. Glad you are here today. It's a great time to be together. What a great celebration. And, uh, you know, right here at the very beginning, I I just want us to take a moment uh, to pray for those that were impacted from uh, Columbiana Center yesterday. Yeah, I never go to the mall. I probably haven't been there in five years. And on Friday, Mary and I went and just to pick out a few shirts for me. And there was one of them I wanted to take back. And so I took it back yesterday and I left like five minutes before all that stuff started happening. And, uh, and I didn't know about it until Mary called me and wanted to know where I was because she knew what I, where I was, and, uh, but didn't know if I had left yet. <clears throat> but, I, you know, th- there were a lot of lives impacted. Uh, people that were actually shot, people that were hurt in the stampede of getting out of there. But then those who experienced it personally, they were emotionally wounded, traumatized. Can you imagine? I, I cannot. I cannot imagine that trauma in that moment. And so there are going to be a lot of people that are going to be suffering for quite some time as they work through that. And so I I want us to take a moment and we're just going to pray for them. Okay. So let's do that. Father, there were those who were highly impacted yesterday uh, with this senseless act. And so we pray for those who were physically hurt and those who were actually shot and for the one lady who's still in the hospital. We pray for full recovery for them, but we also pray for an emotional recovery for all that were impacted, those who were there in the midst of it and experienced it. Thank you for our uh, police force that uh, were all over it and responded well and did everything possible to keep people safe. And so we thank you as that you... You are the source of true healing. And I pray that if any of us know someone that experienced that, that we will not only pray for them, but will be a voice of encouragement to them. So thank you for the privilege to pray and minister to those involved. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, we've been walking these last several weeks through a series called Easter in His Words. We're we're looking at Jesus' own words and what He has to say about all the events leading up to today, the resurrection. And over a 24-hour period that we're in now, billions of people on on this planet are going to be celebrating Easter. And so what is such a big deal about this? Well, the big deal is when Jesus rose from the grave grave after being dead for three days, he did two things specifically. He proved that he was who he said he was. And secondly, it validated all of his words, everything that he taught. So why is Easter so important? Well, let's, let's begin to break, break it down. First, it proved who Jesus is. In, in John chapter 8, the religious guys demanded of Jesus, who are you? And here's what he said. The one I have always claimed to be. 
He's always been honest and upfront about who he is. He's never backed away from it. And the reason they were so mad at him was because he claimed to be God. He said, I am the one who I've always claimed to be. I have much to say about you and much to condemn, but I won't. For I say only what I have heard from the one who sent me and is completely truthful. But they still didn't understand that he was talking about his father. You know, you know why they didn't understand? They didn't want to understand. They'd already made up their mind. They were trying to trick him, trap him. They, they were trying to excuse him away and, and explain him away. But So they were never going to accept who he was talking about. They weren't looking for truth. I, I always encourage you, if, if you're still thinking about Christ and you're still thinking about this Christian faith, just be intellectually honest. Ask, ask your hard questions. God's not afraid of your hard questions. But be honest and say, okay, when I come to something that is true, I'm going to accept that as truth instead of based on feelings. I want to base it on truth. You know, um, Jesus made an incredibly outrageous claim while here on earth. He made claims that no, no other religious leader has ever made, the major ones anyway. Buddha never claimed to be God. Muhammad never claimed to be God, but Jesus, Jesus claimed to be God. Now, you know, if, if I came up here and I said, hey, I'm Don, you know, I'm, I'm a nice guy. You, you might believe that. But if I got up here and said, hey, I'm Don, guess what? I'm God. What would you do? You would be calling 911 and uh, saying, hey, we need a padded wagon. Our pastor has lost it. We need to put him away for a while. And rightly so. I mean, that would mess things up. So Jesus, he said, hey, guys, I'm God. And of course, they didn't know what to do with that. In John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way. He didn't say, I am a way. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one, I mean, that's pretty definitive, right? No one, no exceptions, can come to the Father except through me. I'm it. There's no plan B. There's no back door. There's no golden ticket that gets you a special pass. I'm it. In Mark chapter 10, Jesus said, he said, listen, we're going to go up to Jerusalem. He's talking to his disciples. Where the son of man, which that's him. He's talking about himself. In fact, when he used this title, this was his favorite title to use of himself. He used it like 80 sometimes referring to himself. And, uh, and, and this was talking about his heavenly origin, his divine divinity, and the mysterious manifestation of him as a human being, of holy God becoming a, a man. And he said, where the son of man, talking of himself, will be betrayed to the leading priest and the teachers of the law. They will sentence him to die. 
They will hand him over to the Romans. They will mock him, spit on him, flog him, and whip him. They will kill him. They will kill me. But after three days, he will rise again. After three days, I'm going to come out of that tomb. He made no bones about it. And, and you know, even the ones closest to him, they, um, they had a hard time buying that. I mean, if they fully bought into what Jesus said, in fact, they were shocked when all this stuff happened, even though he told them it was going to happen. But if they really bought into all of his words, you would think that after the crucifixion, they would have said, come on, let's get our camping gear. We're going to go camp out by the tomb. We're going to see this thing happen. I want to see Jesus raised from the dead. You, you think they would have done that, but they didn't. They were living in fear and they didn't understand and they ran. But when Jesus did raise from the dead, it changed everything. You know, the resurrection of Jesus is actually a matter of public record. It, it really is. It, it was not something done in secret. It was big headlines in the Jerusalem Times. Uh, the whole city knew about it. The whole city was talking about it. In fact, eventually the whole Roman Empire talked about it and knew about it. That this guy was publicly executed. Nothing new about that. Happened all the time. But this guy, three days later, with Roman guards, armed guards, the Roman seal on his tomb, which if you ever broke the Roman seal without authority, you were immediately crucified upside down. That kind of coverage. He rose from the dead. And it got everybody's attention. And it didn't just stop there. He, he walked around for a while, for 40 days. Uh, he, he talked to people. He ate with people. He hung around Jerusalem. At one time, he spoke to 500 plus people. So this was common news. It was known. It was understood. And you would have thought that the religious guys would have said, maybe we were wrong. But no, they didn't do that. They chose to continue to not believe. Now, that's when it really gets foolish. You know, I, I can understand you not believing when you don't know the facts and when you haven't studied it. But when you study it and when you see the facts and it's glaring and it's obvious and you still choose not to believe, then that's when... I really feel for you. My heart aches for you. So, here's what uh, Jesus said. In John chapter 10. When the religious leaders were about to stone him, because they were so upset with him for saying that he was God, and that was a legal way to stone someone, they had the right to do that. Jesus said this. He said, don't believe me unless I carry out my father's work. But if I do his work, believe in the evidence of the miraculous works I have done, the ones he's already done already. And if you don't believe me, even if you don't believe me, you cannot dispute the evidence. 
He said, you, you may choose not to follow me. You may choose not to believe in me, but man, you cannot deny the evidence. You can't deny that Lazarus came back from the dead after four days. You cannot deny the people that I've healed, the people that I've fed. You cannot deny those things. There's too much evidence. You may choose not to believe me, but the evidence is overwhelming. And so that's why Easter is so important. The evidence is overwhelming. And Jesus is exactly who he said he was. So here's what he said. He said, but if I do this, do the, if I do his work, believe in the evidence of the miraculous works I've done, even if you don't believe me, then you will know and understand that the father is in me and I am in the father. Because only God could raise somebody from the dead. You know, the second thing that uh, the resurrection does, it, it validates what Jesus taught. Listen to what he said in John 8. He said, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. Not if you just believe I'm who I say I am, but you remain faithful to my teachings. And you will know the truth and that truth that you will know that I'm teaching you, that's what's going to set you free. So Jesus, by resurrecting from the dead, not only proved that he was who he said he was, but it validates that he was truth. He was the truth. I am the way, the truth. And if Jesus was not who he said he was, then how can you trust anything else that he says? So what is the truth? What is the truth that set you free? Well, there's a lot of truths that set you free. Let's just look at a couple of them. Number one, one truth that sets you free is I can complete God's purpose for my life. That's a truth that sets me free. It sets me free for living for myself. It sets me free from chasing after things that do not last. Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. So now we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Now get this picture. You can um, have a, an opportunity. You've been, maybe you've been dreaming about doing something. I really want to do this. This is what I want to spend my life doing. And, and you go to college. And after the first semester, you say, I don't think so. I mean, how many of you actually started a major and you finished that major in college? I mean, I didn't. I mean, they say the average change of uh, a degree, uh, uh, the degree you're in, I don't know. I heard like five or six times. I'm not sure it's a lot. That's because you keep changing your mind. And, and I, I've walked with students through this where they decide I'm going to do this and say, no, I'm going to do this. No, I'm going to do this. Oh, I'm thinking I'm going to do this. Well, you, you see how fluid that can be and how that can, well, instead of chasing after your dreams, why don't you chase after God's dreams for you? Because here's how this works. Almost 5,000 years ago, God already planned out your life. Imagine that. Because he said he did it at the beginning of the creation of the human race. He planned out a purpose and a plan for your life. And then he made you. 
He wired you. He shaped you. He molded you into who you are. Now, my personal opinion is based on scripture. So it's not my personal opinion. It's God's opinion. He would have wired you to fulfill the purpose and plans he has for your life. You know, I've actually talked to people in their 60s who've told me I cannot wait to retire because I hate what I do. And I'll say, well, how long have you done it? Since college. I said, wow. Why did you not get a clue? (laughs) Well, the money was good. Not enough to take away your misery, obviously. I, I mean, God created me and molded me and shaped me, and he had a plan and purpose for my life. So the two go together. Why would I not want what he designed for me? And so because I have Jesus, that truth sets me free. You're not here by accident, regardless of the circumstances of your birth. It really doesn't matter who your biological parents are. It doesn't even matter if your parents were married or not. It doesn't matter if you were unplanned, unexpected, or unwanted as a baby. It doesn't matter. There's no such thing as an illegitimate child. Illegitimate parents, yes, but not illegitimate children. God put you here. God put you here with a plan and a purpose. And the fact is, Jesus said, God made you for a purpose. And one of the reasons I died for you is so that you could experience that purpose. Next week, I'm actually starting a whole series on finding God's plan. So if you struggle with this one, that's a good series for you to listen to. Here's a second huge truth. I can know God personally. That's very different. I mean, do you ever pray and you wonder if anybody's listening? Do you ever wonder if your prayers ever make it beyond the ceiling in the room you're praying? Do you, do you wonder if God's really paying attention to you? I mean, the, the fact is the Bible in multiple places tells us how intimate he knows us. I mean, in one place, the Bible says, I know when you stand up and when you sit down. That seems like in uninteresting knowledge, but God's trying to communicate to you. I care about you so much. I love you so much. I know even those details. I, I, know, I know what you're going to think before you think it. I know what you're going to say before you say it. I, I even keep up with the number of hairs on your head. Obviously, some of us, he got bored with doing that. <laughs> he just got rid of it. But God knows you intimately and he he cares about the little stuff in your life. So here's the deal. He wants you to know him. And that's a mind blower. God knows all about me. Now he wants me to know all about him. He wants to know me and he wants me to know him. You know, religion is knowing about God. And frankly, it really doesn't matter what your religious background is. Doesn't matter if you're Catholic, Protestant, Jewish, Buddhist, Mormon, Baptist, it doesn't matter. 
Religion is knowing about God, but knowing God, that's a relationship. And that's what God wants with you. Yeah, he wants you to know. He wants you to know about him, but he wants you to know him. Some of you here today, I would say you have religion. But Jesus did not come to earth to give you a religion. Jesus came to give you a relationship. You know, religion is like an immunization shot. We all know about those. And, uh, and what happens is, you know, you get a little bit of the thing you're trying to avoid and it inoculates your body, you know, inoculates your body for that. And uh, that you'll, you won't get that disease. But I mean, I got COVID after I got my two shots. And uh, so I'm not sure how well that worked, right? So it, we're not going there. Put your posters down. But some of you are, you've been inoculated with religion. And so when Christ shows up, you, you think you're fine. You think you're, you're okay. But I, I want to tell you something. Religion is not an immunization from sin. And you'll still be held accountable for it. Religion won't save you from your sins. In fact, religious people, we call them cultural Christians. Which is not being a Christian at all. Jesus wants you to know God personally. In John chapter 14, he said, Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my father will love them. And I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. Now Judas, not Judas Iscariot, but the other disciple with the same name, said, Lord, why are you going to reveal yourself only to us and not to the world at large? And Jesus said, all who love me will do what I say. My father will love them and he will come and he will make our home with each of them. Basically, Jesus was saying, hey, Judas, this is much bigger than that. This is about a personal relationship. And, um, but I, I have a plan for the word getting to the rest of the world. I have a commission about that, that that's coming. So a huge truth is I really can know God personally. You can too. Another truth is I can be forgiven and start over. How amazing is that? I mean, we all carry guilt around, right? I mean, we, we have all those if only or I wish I hadn't. And, uh, and, and guilt builds barriers between you and God. It even builds barriers between you and other people. If you've done somebody wrong and you feel guilty about it, you don't want to see them, right? I mean, you don't want to hang out with them. You don't want to be where they are because it makes you feel more guilty. And I don't want to get to know God if I feel like he's going to judge me. I don't, I don't want to hang out with God if he's going to 
get me for all the stuff I've done and messed up. And that, that's why some of you avoid God. That's why you avoid praying or reading the Bible. You know, re, real living, real living is actually guilt-free living. When you can get up in the morning and look yourself in the mirror and know, I've been forgiven. I've actually been forgiven. Yes, I messed up. I've made a lot of mistakes and I've done things that were dumb and I've pulled stunts that I shouldn't have and I've made bad decisions. But praise God, I have been forgiven. Colossians 2.13, you were dead because of your sins, because of your sinful nature. It was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ. For he forgave all our sins, all of your sins. That's what Jesus did on the cross. And when he rose from the dead, it proved who he said he was. You know, one year ago on Easter, we had a young lady in our uh, student ministry who she um, came forward during the invitation. And I thought, you, you need to hear her story. Because some of you are going to relate to this. So watch the video if you would. My name is Bethany Brock. Um, I've grown up in a Christian home, always hearing truth for... As long as I can remember, when I was five, I recall going to the play, This Man Called Jesus, and I was just like super upset by the crucifixion of Jesus. And then I remember asking the Lord to come into my heart, but I think I was just too young to really understand what it looked like to really have a relationship with the Lord. When middle school rolled around, that's when I started getting introduced to worldly things. Um, this is when a lot of my peers started drinking and doing drugs. When high school came around, this is when I started choosing those worldly desires. Even though I knew good and well, that's not what I should have been doing. I started having a lot of trouble with substance abuse the whole first half of my sophomore year. I remember feeling like I couldn't not be high. I would go to church high, school high, I did not care. One night, me and my friends went out to this party and I was already pretty drunk and I remember just walking in the doors and looking around and I was just like, why am I here? Which was just super weird because I was always the one who was like, ready to get the night started, but I just had this super heavy weight on me. And at that point, I had no idea what it was. So, went to bed, woke up the next morning, and the weight was even heavier. Um, I couldn't deal with it. I had no idea what was happening. So, I came home that Saturday night, and I just remember sitting on my bed, and I just started sobbing. And I started crying out to God, just screaming. And I was just like, Lord, if you can hear me, please just take this heavy weight away. Come into my heart, change every desire of it. 
take whatever you want from me. I just don't want to feel this way anymore. I remember calling my parents and I was just like, Mom and Dad, come home. I'm trying to give my life back to Jesus. So by the time they got home, I just ran downstairs and I was like, Mom and Dad, Jesus is my friend now. <laughs> so fast forward to the next morning, which actually happened to be Easter Sunday. After Pastor Don's message that Jesus Christ was crucified on a cross and he took that penalty for everything that you've ever done. He had an invitation at the end and he was just like, anyone who would like to come to the front and pray, please just come up. So I remember sitting in my seat. I was like shaking. I was so nervous. I didn't want to go up. You're at the front and you just, you just come. Don't even wait till the music starts. Just get up and start coming down. Let me pray with you and let's settle this. And let's then this he was like, actually, no, I'm begging you to come to the front. And so I was just like, I got to go up now. Jumped up from my seat and I ran to the front and I was just sobbing. Everybody started cheering for me and I was just like, this is the best day ever. <laughs> I ran up to Pastor Don. He gave me a big hug. And I told him everything that had happened. I just told him that I accepted Christ the night before. And the Lord has just provided so much for me these past few months of my life. It's just been really cool to see how he's worked. So my prayer over the last month has been to just ask God to lead me where he wants me and to just open doors for me to possibly get into missions work because I really have a passion for taking the gospel to the unreached but I don't know what he has in store but I'm excited to be on this journey with him. I'm Bethany Brock and this is my story. Wow that's amazing. I appreciate Bethany being vulnerable enough to share that story. Um, there was a lot more she shared that we didn't have time for today, but on our website, you'll see a lot more of her story if you go there. There's one last huge truth because of Jesus dying on a cross and raising from the dead. I can go to heaven when I die. That's huge. The fact is, death is a universal event. You know, people say, well, if I die, I say, well, wait a minute, it's not an if. <laughs> You're going to. I mean, everybody does. It doesn't matter what your color of skin is, doesn't matter your nationality, doesn't matter where you're from, doesn't matter your bank account. This is the great universal equalizer. We all experience this. So it does not matter except the choice you made before that event. I, I would say you're not ready to live until you're ready to die. Until you know what's going to happen when you die. What is really going to happen to me when I die? If, if you haven't asked that question, you ought to. What's really going to happen? Because it seemed to me it'd be a question worth exploring. There's a lot of misconceptions 
out there about what happens when you die. A lot of movies and books that are so off base, not based on scripture, not based on God's word, not based on Jesus's words. This is the news you can use. Essential information. The Bible does tell us what's going to happen when you die. If you are a Christ follower, you're going to go to heaven. And heaven is a perfect place. And immediately you say, well, I can't go there because I'm not perfect. You say, well, when Jesus died on the cross, he took care of that. And in God's eyes, when you pray to receive Christ, he sees his son, Jesus. And he sees perfection. There was a dad who took his son and his six best friends to the state fair and you know how it is. I don't know if they still do this, but you have to buy all these tickets and you use a ticket to get on each ride. And, and so they would come to a ride and he'd pull out a roll of tickets and he'd give one ticket to each kid and uh, as, a, as his son, so one ticket to his son and, and six tickets to his friends as they got on the ride. And they kept doing this throughout the day. And uh, so he gave, they got to the next ride, he gave a ticket to his son and then he gave a ticket to each of his six friends and then he saw a seventh hand standing there. And his, the dad looked at the little boy and said, who are you? He said, oh, I'm your son's new friend. <laughs> he told me that if I became his friend, my dad would give you a ticket. That's exactly what Jesus said. If, if you become my friend... My father is going to give you a ticket into his kingdom. He wants you to be there with him. Jesus told his disciples, he said, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. There's more than enough room in my father's home, heaven. There's more than enough room. And if it were not so, what I, I, would have, I would have told you. So I'm going there to prepare a place for you. When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me when, where I am. And you will know the way where I'm going. And, uh, and uh, one of the disciples, Thomas, said, no, we don't know the way, Lord. We have no idea where you're going I don't know why they just couldn't get it. So how can we know the way? And then Jesus said something very profound that affects every one of us that we've already read this verse. He said, I'm the way. That's the way. I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. No one, no one, no one can come to the Father except through me. Period. So just like last Easter and many other Sundays, I'm going to come to the front. And if you want to have that ticket, if you want to settle the deal from going from being religion to a relationship, if you are tired, tired of just living for you and you want to get in on God's plan for your life, I invite you to come and let me pray with you. 
Maybe you, today you want to go from being a cultural Christian to a biblical Christian. Maybe you want to consider Christ for the very first time. Maybe you're already a believer, but you found that you've slipped back into thinking it's all about entertaining yourself and you're ready to do what God's got for you, that God planned for you. You come and you let me pray with you. Let's stand together as we pray and, and then you make your way to the front. Father, thank you for each individual here. Let their hearts be open to the truth of your word. And I pray that lives will be changed because of who you are. I pray this in Jesus Christ's holy name. Amen.